Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It is Monday's hangover. That's right, and it's sitting all over us. We are in the Mothership Studio 22, and we have Chance, the soulless ginger rapper. Oh, driving us into the nether regions of all things insanity. And of course, conspicuously missing a super Chris Cruz, which I'm sure he will peek up somewhere at some point in time. And uh, let's love Brandon at the helm. Guys, you you guys know that uh, if you go to if you go to a Wikipedia, I, I don't even know if the stuff on my Wikipedia is even accurate anymore. I'm not the one who puts that stuff on there, but somebody's doing it. You know, you'll read that it's somewhere in 2015. I had a video that went viral about being unapologetically Southern, and uh, of course, over the years, I've caught a hell of a hard time because I was actually born in New Jersey. Those of you who watch this show know that, but I again four months of my life in New Jersey conceived in the south raised in the south went to the university of georgia spent some time in columbia south carolina as most of you know and uh have bounced around and been in the last you know bounced around the southeast most of my adult life until i wound up in texas 21 years ago and i'm still unapologetically southern i believe in our heritage i believe in our heart i believe in our culture i believe in our the recipes and the foods that make us fat folks i'm telling you i'm unapologetic about being southern but as you know southern heritage southern culture and most specifically southern history is being uh washed away uh it's being taken away in the name of being woke uh, in the name of being uh, anti-racist, all of these various things are excuses to take away Southern history, tearing down of monuments. Uh, and, and as you know, we're being fed a bill of lies when it comes to revisionist history. And so to talk about that, I want to welcome to the show my friend Brian McClanahan, all the way coming in from Auburn, Alabama. Brian, welcome to the show. There's a couple of things I want to get into with you. First of all, did you have a great Thanksgiving? It was a fantastic Thanksgiving. I took a few <laughs> days off, which I normally don't do, so it was good. <laughs> it was good. Well, hey, listen, I, I have been a fan of, of your works. You've written a number of books. Uh, you, one of the great ones is The Forgotten Founders, and uh, I encourage everybody to get a hold of Brian McClanahan. You can go to brianmcclanahan.com. It's Brian with an O. So your parents were obviously sophisticated. Right. They had a little culture to them. Yes. Brian with an O. Sure. And Brian dot com and check out all the works that he's done. It's a great resource for for history, but specifically when it comes to things that are happening in the South. First of all, let's let's get controversial, Brian, because I want to talk right. to you a little bit about what's happening that no one is talking about in Arlington National Cemetery. But before we get into that, let's let's talk about and I was texting you yesterday. Let's talk about. Let's blow some minds. Let's talk about the Lincoln myth. What is that? And what does that mean? Right. Well, I mean, you're really going to blow some minds. And Let's maybe blow some lose minds. Some viewers, but <laughs> Let's blow some minds. But right. So we have this, this idea of Abraham Lincoln. First of all, is a great emancipator. Anyway, with a you know, third grade education, you should know that's not true. Uh, Lincoln didn't free any slaves. But on the other hand, we have this idea of Abraham Lincoln as the savior of the union. But you have to ask what union at what cost? We know that Lincoln was a firm believer in centralization. If you look at the modern United States government, it is a byproduct of that war. And so when we talk about all these issues, whether it's the economy, whether it's woke politics, it doesn't matter. Everyone looks at the center. And so the Lincoln myth is that the center is the savior of everything. We don't have federalism anymore. We don't have state powers. We don't have states' rights. We don't have any of that stuff because all that was done away with 
1865. And I know that you ran uh, for governor, and one of your platforms was secession of Texas. And of course, you can't even speak about that because according to <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, that's all illegal. And um, so we have this myth of this proposition nation of one government, indivisible, and of course, it's simply not true. And if you were to ask the founding generation about that, they would have said, that's that's nonsense. We, we don't believe in that. We mm. we believe in a federal republic. The states have powers that are reserved to them by the 10th Amendment. And um, they have talked about secession openly, at least in New England. They started as early as 1794. So um, we've We've got this this view of American government that was created by Abraham Lincoln during the war, by the Republican Party during the war, that uh, doesn't mesh with the, the real history of America. And so when you start talking about the Confederacy or the war, which we will later about Confederate monuments, there were certainly other views of the United States and of what American government meant and what the Constitution meant that we're simply not allowed to talk about anymore because we have this view of America that's created by the Republicans and Lincoln during the war. Yeah. So you're telling me that, that that Lincoln wasn't this altruistic messiah that saved the nation. Uh, it, like we tend to, you know, you ask people, who's your favorite president? Oh, Abraham Lincoln. He was the first Republican president. He did all the emancipated, you know, and a lot of people can quote them, you know, the Gettysburg Address and, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation. But that wasn't the case, right? Absolutely not. I mean, look, what, what union did he save? Was it the union of the founders? I think you can say no, uh, right. conclusively. What we had after the war was something entirely different. In fact, they talked about it openly. You know, when, when they used the term Reconstruction, the Republican Party during the war, they understood that was recreating America from that, that point forward. So we certainly could say that war was a second American revolution, and many historians did for years, and they pointed back to that. You know, we had a, we had a new nation conceived in 1865. Mm. And Lincoln did say this at the Gettysburg Address, but um, he wasn't he wasn't putting the union that was there before the war back together was something entirely new. And but of course, the other thing about Lincoln that's um, that's fascinating, you brought up the, the emancipation side of it. Uh, even Republicans recognized in 1865 his proclamation didn't do anything, didn't free any slaves. Mm. Thad Stevens, who himself was a committed abolitionist, said, look, you point to me where Lincoln freed any slaves, and um, everyone knows he didn't. Uh, it was a noble idea to have this Emancipation Proclamation, but we didn't do anything. We didn't free any slaves there, so we have to do that work now. And he was talking about, of course, leading to the 13th Amendment. So there's this image of Lincoln that is completely incorrect. This myth of Abraham Lincoln that's completely incorrect, and then there's the real Lincoln, and that real Lincoln is far from that myth that we often learn when we're in elementary school or junior high school. It's uh, it's unfortunate that that's what so many people fall back on when they start talking about what we need to do to save America and bring back Abraham Lincoln. I, I would be inclined not to want to have a, a president who would be interested in imprisoning people for speaking out against him or uh, uh, you know being involved in a war that killed a million people. So. Um, to me, uh, the real Lincoln is this not this uh, savior that we that we are portraying to be. Yeah, and, and and you know, as we talked about, I walked the battlefield at Antietam two two weeks ago, and you you figure how many in the bloodiest battle, you know, uh, in the Civil War, and and you walk through that National Cemetery at you know at Antietam, and you realize such a somber place and you recognize lives that were lost brother against brother and 
and just the blood that was shed. And then you ask the question, okay, why? Why? What is history telling us? When you look at the South, we we have been so, you know, the South has been so vilified by history, right? They were, everyone in the South had to have owned a slave, right? Everybody there was, you know, pro-slavery and, and, and wanted to make sure that the evils of America continued to exist to the point where they were willing to lay down their lives to fight for those evils. In light of what we know or what we don't know, how should we think about the Confederate South in terms of history today? Well, I mean, look, there are a lot of people that fought for the South that were descended from the founding fathers. I mean, Jefferson's descendants fought for the South. Washington's descendants fought for the South. Madison's. We can go through the list. And if you look at what they were saying about themselves in the early stages of the conflict, I mean, they simply they did talk about the founding fathers and how this was an extension of what the founding generation would have done if confronted with what they perceived to be unconstitutional government. We can get into the issues of slavery, economics, and all these things. Sure. All of that stuff is important when we talk about the history of the South. But to the Confederate soldier, down to the man, they would tell you they're fighting for hearth and home. And for generations, Americans recognize that. You know, We know that only about 5% of Southerners actually legally own slaves. We know that the uh, percentage of Southerners, if you go beyond that and just look at families, it was about 25% of the South owned slaves, maybe up to a 30%. So most Southerners did not own slaves. We know most Confederate soldiers did not own slaves. Mm. And even though some did talk about, you know, that slavery was important to them uh, during the war as far as actual soldiers and they were fighting for slavery, most said they were fighting against slavery. Even uh, historians like James McPherson, who was uh, himself, you know, very uh, much anti-Southern, um, he said this. He wrote a whole book about it for Calls and Comrades where he said, you know, average Southerner was not fighting for slavery. He's fighting for his home. He's fighting for independence. He's fighting for the founding fathers. He's fighting for his conception of liberty. So when you look at that war and you have this this massive conflict where you have two sides fighting for in both in both sides saying in their mind they're fighting for the founding fathers one to save the union one to preserve the spirit of independence I think that's what they recognized by the time you got to the late 19th and early 20th century and you saw this uh, you saw both sides building monuments to the war whether it was union dead or confederate dead they were recognizing this cataclysmic effect that it had on America and on the psyche of America, and then also how they could reconcile that. How could they come back together and shake hands again and say, you know what, you were doing what you thought was right, we were doing what we thought was right, but we're both Americans, mm -hmm. and we have to shake hands now across the chasm, across the divide, and and reconcile this this United States. So, and 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 I want to. You're leading me to the point that we want to get to, but the quick question: Were those men who fought and died for the South are they American heroes? I would say absolutely 100%, yes. The, I mean, the, the, at least with in, the people the building States, those monuments thought so, right? Absolutely. And the United States government recognized them as actual American veterans. So, I mean, these are these are heroes. Uh, you know, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson. For It didn't matter if you were born in the north or the south right. uh, in, the, in the early 20th century. You thought Robert E. Lee was a hero. You thought Stonewall Jackson was a hero. I often point back, my, my father was born in 1940. We used to have a calendar in our house from a northern insurance company from his birth year. And it had on there in January, Robert E. Lee's birthday and Stonewall Jackson's birthday. Yeah. These were these were birthdays that people should celebrate north or south. Didn't matter where you were. You celebrated those birthdays because they were heroes. You know, Dwight Eisenhower kept an image of Robert E. Lee in his office as president because he thought Robert E. Lee personified what it meant to be an American. 
And this was the case for many, many years in the United States. So, you know, I, I find it fascinating this, and purely tragic that so many people are now looking at, at these Southerners as simply traitors, villains, right. uh, anti-heroes. For generations, Americans thought that Southerners were heroes. It didn't matter if you were in the North or the South. You recognized their bravery. You recognized their contribution to the American military tradition. And it was important uh, for, for that reason alone. Brian. I know where we're going with this conversation, but I want to go to a break real quick because I don't want to interrupt you when we get into this because this is going to be the most important thing we talk about. So I'm going to go to a break a little early. Can you hang with me for another minute? I can. All right. I'm going to read a commercial here. we got to make some money around here and pay for this thing. So hang tight. Um, folks, for years you've heard me talk about iTarget, and if you have one, I'm about to take you to the next level. If not, this new product is something you need to get. It's Christmas time, guys. It's a great gift. Have you ever seen competitive shooters practice timing drills on the range? Imagine being able to do that at home anytime you want. You never have to spend a dime on ammo. iTarget Cube. That's what it does. iTarget Cube is fully compatible with your existing laser bullet if you have the iTarget Pro, or you can buy one or upgrade to a three-pack for a truly unique training experience. Compete with friends, practice clearing drills, or use random mode to test your ability to react. All the while, the uh, system's going to time every shot you take. So right now, I'll save you 10% plus free shipping with offer code CHAD. I spell it CHAD. When you go to iTargetPro.com, iTarget comes in most calibers from 9mm to 223, so you can train with almost any firearm you own. This is the easiest and most cost-effective way to train, and it pays for itself in a single day. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com. iTargetPro.com. Use offer code CHAD. We'll be right back. All right, folks, you need to visit brianmcclanahan.com. That's Brian with an O, mcclanahan.com. You need to, is, he is an incredible resource, uh, incredible historian, and I want to encourage you to visit there, take advantage of every resource he's got. All right, Brian. Now, what we've established is uh, this, this was a very real war that happened. This was, this was uh, uh, you know, we villainized the South. At the time, at the end of the war, during a period of reconciliation, uh, at least proclaimed reconciliation, the American government, they deemed, you know, Confederate soldiers as war heroes as well as American veterans. Uh, they built monuments to them. Here's what nobody's talking about. Now, we've seen the images of the monuments being pulled down. We've seen all of these things. It's horrific. I don't care what monument it is. You don't need to be pulling these things down. But uh, something's happening at Arlington National Cemetery. William McKinley, who, of course, was the president of the United States, he was also a union officer. He was a northern officer. He, he commissioned a monument, Arlington National Cemetery, the Reconciliation Monument. And now nobody's talking about this. They're wanting to pull that down. They're wanting to tear that down. What is that monument, and why does this matter? I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest acts of barbarism I can think about in the early 21st century, but... You're right. William McKinley, as president of the United States, 1898, says, you know what we need? We need a, a section in Arlington National Cemetery for Confederate dead. He actually thought that all of the various Confederate soldiers buried around D.C. should put, be put in Arlington, reinterred in Arlington uh, mm -hmm. Cemetery, and then a monument should be built for them. Congress followed through. And again, as you said, McKinley's a Union War veteran. He literally faced bullets from Confederate soldiers. So if anybody was interested in doing this, we should listen to a guy that actually was shot at by Confederate soldiers. So the Congress follows through and 
uh, a monument is commissioned and it's designed by a man named Moses Ezekiel. And Moses Ezekiel was a Jewish American. He was a Confederate veteran, but he was uh, a Jewish and he built, constructs this beautiful monument that goes into the Confederate section of Arlington National Cemetery. There's now 400 graves there from Confederates, including Moses Ezekiel, who's buried at the foot of the monument. So it's his literal headstone. I mean, there is a there is a, a box that says you know Moses Ezekiel on it, but the monument itself is basically his headstone. So mm. we've got this, this beautiful reconciliation monument. Um, it has uh, these friezes on it that in his mind, describe the cause. There's an inscription on it that people point to as saying, well, that's lost cause mythology. It's got uh, two images that people often are offended by. One is a uh, black Southerner marching off with Confederate soldiers. The other is a slave woman um, who is holding a baby that in the Confederate soldier is, is kissing the baby before he goes off to war. We have to understand that this monument is built in the early 20th century. It's actually dedicated by both William Howard Taft, who was a Republican, and then later Woodrow Wilson as a Democrat. But it was seen as the highest level of reconciliation. Here we are in Arlington Cemetery, which has all of these Union dead in it. And now we have this Confederate section. And we are in a period of time, you know, 50, a little over 50 years after the war, when we've healed the wounds of the war and we're starting to talk about getting back together and being good Americans. We've had the Spanish-American War where Southerners marched off to war and that for the United States. We're, we're in the lead up to World War I where Southerners again are gonna be called on to go fight for the United States. They had put aside all the sectional differences and we had this beautiful monument to recognize their heroism and valor. And again, it, for, it was a tradition for years for American presidents to put a wreath there on, on uh, Memorial Day to recognize Confederate dead. Even Barack Obama did that. I and mean, the people forget that, but he did. He had a resent to the Confederate memorial there. And now because of the naming commission, which was created in the wake of the George Floyd summer of love, quote unquote, where he had all these monuments taken down, has said that we need to take this monument down because it's lost cause mythology. And mm. um, this is completely outside their purview. Uh, they weren't allowed to uh, make recommendations for cemeteries. And last time I checked, Arlington Cemetery is a cemetery. So um, this is uh, just an egregious act of barbarism. Yeah, you, you can't just, just you can't come in and just start pulling down headstones, much less memorials right. and monuments. So, you can't just start coming in and pulling that down. Right. I mean, it's not just the the monument itself. It's a work of art, and if you've ever seen it, it's beautiful. Um, it's a it's a beautiful bronze monument, and so now we're not just taking down a monument, as you said, it's a headstone, it's a work of art. All in the name of woke politics, essentially, is what this comes down to. So the Naming Commission, they do not have the authority to do this, but they're doing it anyway. And they've made it. Yeah. yeah. And, we're, and it's being allowed in the name of woke politics, an ideological agenda, a whitewashing of history, to use, to coin, to use that phrase, uh, that revisionist history, you know, again, to tear it down in the wake of this just this trend that is absolutely horrific you know the thing about it is it, it blows my mind brian is you you say you know we say we're supposed to learn from history but yet we're going to keep tearing it down right if if we can't learn from our successes and our sins from our failures our flaws and and the things we did right versus the things we did wrong how how are we not doomed to repeat the various things that are there you know, to villainize a whole 
piece of history and a piece of the United States that that historically have not been that way. You know, are we not? What what what's the reason here? Are we just becoming more enlightened now that that we can do away with that part of our history? And ultimately, ultimately, I'm gonna let you talk here. What can we do to stop this? Well, I mean, that's that's what they would say. They're more enlightened. Um, you know, Taft called it when he when he actually dedicated the cornerstone, he called it the benediction of all true Americans. Mm. This monument represented all true Americans. What does that say about us now? Again, you have you ask the question. McKinley shot at by Confederate soldiers wants a monument built. Uh, Taft, who was a Republican, wants a monument built. Um, what does that say about us now as a people? Uh, but I think, again, it comes down to a bunch of uh, woke professors generally yeah. who really don't want these things in any public spaces. And again, we were told over and over, put them in cemeteries, put them in museums. Well, here's one in a cemetery, and yet now it has to come down too because it's on federal property and the United States government has control over it. Maybe the U.S. military has control over it. So we have to do something about this. Now, you brought up what could be done. Uh, Donald Trump tried to stop this. He vetoed mm-hmm. the legislation that created the naming commission, and the Republican Party, in large numbers, voted to override the veto. So mm-hmm. here we're supposed to have the Republican Party that's in favor of defending American history and defending monuments and doing these things. We hear about this all the time. We just got more Republicans in office. They would block this kind of stuff. Well, they didn't do a very good job of this. Um, they could have stopped this in, when, when Trump vetoed the legislation. They could have not mm-hmm. voted to override the veto. Of course, the end result of that would have been that the military would not have been funded for that time period. So the Democrats were, were smart about putting it into a military funding bill because the new Republicans couldn't go back to their constituents and say, well, we didn't fund the military because we were not going to support uh, the renaming of military installations or the tearing down of monuments, whatever it was going to be. So what can be done? I mean, simply we have to start looking at, well, contact your Republican legislators. Yeah. There still might be some time to stop this. I don't, I don't know if there is a whole lot left, but contact your legislators. Let them know you want this monument saved, if nothing else, as a symbol of reconciliation. And I pointed out um, the, the two parts of the monument that the professors, the woke professors don't like. Booker T. Washington, who was the most prominent African-American in America when the monument was built, actually wrote in his biography, autobiography, Up From Slavery, that uh, the slaves who were left behind in the South would have defended with mm. their lives the, the women and children who were left there in the South defenseless if it came down to that. Wow. And so when it, Moses Ezekiel designed this, he had that in mind. I mean, people knew about this. They understood all, all of this. So now we're saying that that's not true. Basically, these people have become history deniers. They're, they're, and are we going to accept that? Or are we going to just, you know, let them, you know, let them bulldoze us down? Or are we going to try to fight back and say, you know, there's more to this story than what you're letting on. And we're not going to let history be erased because you don't like the image of it or what it says on the monument. Brian McClanahan, you are welcome on the show anytime. I want to get you back. I want to pick your brain some more. But in the meantime, uh, I want you to do two things, folks. If you're listening to this show, you're watching this show, I want you to visit brianmcclanahan.com. Take advantage of all the resources that are there. It's a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And I also want you to do what he said. Call your Republican representative. Call your congressman or woman. Call your senator. Leave them a message. The Reconciliation Monument, Arlington National Cemetery. Don't just be an unapologetic Southerner. Be an unapologetic American and fight for history. Fight for history. Brian, thanks for being on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. 
Man, it's been fun. Thank you. I'll be back on. Come on. Talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Friends, if the diesel fuel crisis gets much worse, trucks may not be able to deliver all the food you need to the local grocery store. It's that simple. That means you'd better have a good stockpile of emergency food just in case. And right now, you can stock up and save money, which is the best of both worlds. If you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, I'll save you 25% on a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. This amazing kit gives you breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, snacks, everything you need. It's enough for one person for three months. You're going to get enough for the whole family, though, right? Because it looks like you're going to need it. And at 25% off, this is an amazing deal. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company, and they want to help American families more by charging less. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Come save 25% per kit. It's going to ship fast. It's going to ship free. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. Be ready for anything. Mypatriotsupply.com. Be right back. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, ooh, here we go. You know, every now and then I like to come back on and give you an update on an earlier story that we talked about in prior weeks and occasionally the update is good uh you'll recall almost two months ago that we talked about that teenager eric Cantu, who was unjustifiably shot by police officer john brennan in a mcdonald's parking lot while holding nothing more menacing in his hands than a hamburger you remember that story Cantu has spent the past several weeks in hospital recovering and reportedly still has a long way to go to a full recovery but was able to go home for the holidays brennan meanwhile was summarily fired, as he should be. But I want to talk a little bit about cops like Brennan for a minute. And don't get me wrong, the thrust of the story is, of course, that it's an excellent thing that Eric Cantu is going to not only survive, but recover from this event. We thank God for that and wish him all the speed toward health that he can have. But let's talk about the uncomfortable part again, folks, because that's what I like to do. I like to get just a little bit under the skin, just enough to make you squirm a little, because that's where the beginning of critical thinking sometimes lies, especially concerning issues for which we all have priors and opinions. Now, as you know well, my position on this program and in my life has always been one of extreme support for our law enforcement officers. I shouldn't even have to say it again. I back the blue through and through and time after time after time over the years when footage of police officers doing their sometimes unfortunate duty include necessary violence, I have been the first to defend them. They do a job that most of us can only begin to imagine and which isn't truly done justice in our television shows and movies and books. And what's more, most of them do it well, very well, actually, most of the time. But every once in a while, something goes a little off the rails or a lot off the rails in the case of former officer James Brennan. And when it does, it behooves people like me and thee to be honest in our assessment, not only because it's the right thing to do, although it is the right thing to do, but also because we must hold ourselves to a high standard of honesty in these matters in order that we should retain the level of credulity and credibility, which we find so lacking in the mainstream media about literally pretty much anything. Police work is critical work, which means that police training must be critical training in some places in this country we don't do that enough clearly also there are shitheads in the mix with great men and women who serve to protect us just like there are bad plumbers and bad musicians there's bad cops and the difference of course is that we give cops a gun and the potential to consequence free right to end a life under the right circumstances now if you see a flute player coming at you with a gun well that sucker is just crazy and you better run and to the liberals out there who would love to see this as a point of hypocrisy on the right, I merely have this to say. Just because I don't think gun control or ending the police are the answers to a problem like this one doesn't mean I don't recognize the problem. I could eat a hand grenade to cure an ulcer, and it would cure the ulcer, but I prefer to try a few less messy solutions first. 
We'll keep you posted on how this story continues. Uh, what are you grinning about? You're just really good at that. I am good at that. <laughs> I guess. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I wake up and there's a show. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, what are we... <laughs> Let's talk about banning guns. You'd see the Joe Biden, they ask him the yes. question deal. Yes. All right. You have that clip. Number one, play it. Please. The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. Not a single solitary rationale for This mother... <laughs> Can you just... Pull that back up and pull a, just a screen grab. Just freeze it while that empty, dementia-ridden head is talking. Can you just give me a screen grab while this guy is saying, go ahead and play it and leave my mic hot and give me a pop or, or whatever, screen grab, whatever. I don't know what we're doing here. I'm trying to use technical producer terms, and I don't know them. So, all right, look at him and then freeze it right there. Now, here's a guy saying there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to have semi-automatic. The fact that you could still sell semi-automatic weapons, there's no reason whatsoever in America. It's just sick, I tell you. Look at all the semi-automatic weapons behind him. Now, I know there's a lot of firefighters, but there's some law enforcement back there, too. One just ducked behind his head. I, I guarantee you, pretty much every single person out there owns a semi-automatic weapon. <laughs> every single person out there. The people that are standing around him guarding his life are all carrying semi-automatic weapons. Uh, you can't with this stupidity. Well, but Chad, when in recent history can you think of a time where the good guys with the guns, you know, the cops, the law enforcement, the ones who are allowed to have the guns actually don't always get there in time? When have you? That's that never happens. They was, always rescue you in time. I'm going to name drop. OK, I'm sitting in. At his home bar, I'm sitting at his house. Sitting there with John Rich. And John Rich, who I've heard him say this numerous times on interviews, he said, you know, if my wife's home alone, I'm out on tour, I'm singing a song on a stage somewhere, somebody kicks in the door in my house. And my wife's upstairs, and she can reach for a pistol that's got six shots mm -hmm. or a rifle that's got 30 in the magazine. She doesn't know how many people are coming up those stairs. Mm -hmm. I want her to have all mm -hmm. the firepower at her disposal. I, the like magazine uh you know whatever i i'm still more confident with a rifle than i am with my handgun i just i just like it better sometimes i will put myself in a situation like i heard some weird noises the other yeah. night outside of my house and i you know listen i there's some there are some parts of my home that are more fortified than others like i have plans yeah right <laughs> i know where i'm headed right I am rarely out of reach of a rifle or a pistol or right. they're all semi-automatic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've got a couple of revolvers and, and none of them are loaded even. It's not my go-to. Right. But, but my thing is, I'm like, I was like, okay, if somebody were to come in this place, what am I grabbing? Handguns are always nearby, but like, like if, I, if, if I got 30 seconds to really think about this thing and it's go time. Yeah. Oh, I got a stack of rifles. Right. We about to start popping caps. Right. We're going through the walls and everything. <laughs> well, that's why we had to get a his and hers set because I was like, honey. His and hers, that's cute. If, yeah, if something goes down, 
I'm grabbing the rifle. Like I'm yeah. I'm grabbing my AR. So if you want one too, if we're both home, like we're gonna need to get more because that's mine. So let's say you have a home invasion situation. And let's say somebody let's say somebody grabbed your significant other, mm-hmm. right? And they're holding a knife mm-hmm. to their throat or something. I'm just hypothetical, right? Which gun do you want? Do you want do you want your handgun? Absolutely not. I don't. Absolutely do you want not. a shotgun? No, mm-hmm. I don't because if I shoot with a shotgun, I'm s- killing everybody. Yep. yep. I want that rifle with that red dot mm-hmm. that I can be precision accurate in that situation, right? So, am I sick for wanting that tool in my home? I don't think I am at all. And also, if a tyrannical government's coming down the street to take me into custody like they're doing in China, I want to have that red dot. You know, I want to be able to pop you at 100 yards before you get close to the house from my rooftop. Yeah. Like the Koreans. Well, we could get into (laughs) why the Second Amendment was there, because as you point out, like you're supposed to have as much firepower as the government. But what really concerns me is the lack of knowledge. um, You know, when you're talking about the American public, how much they don't understand about guns um, or at least at least the ones who vote Democrat, because Joe Biden says semi-automatic and they don't realize how many guns that like that's. All of them. All of the guns. <laughs> That's all of them. Except for those two unloaded revolvers right, in my house. That's revolvers. all of the guns. It's all of them, except for bold action. So it's like, you guys think that he just wants to get rid of the big, scary, the big black, scary right. ones, right? Like he's, no, he's talking about tiny little 380s. He's talking about nine millimeters. He's talking about people's everyday carries that they carry for protection. He's talking about all of those. Yeah. And I think that that gets lost so often from the left because they don't understand guns at all. Yeah. They don't understand the terminology. They don't understand any of it. But and they listen, think they do. And listen, he just he just passed an inflation bill that didn't do anything about inflation. Right. right. So you're going to tell me that you're going to pass a bill getting rid of guns and that's going to take care of gun violence? Right. It's not. It didn't last time they did it. No. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just go back. It destroys the narrative. Nobody wants to talk about it. But this shooter at what was it? The last week at the sort of Walmart? Walmart. Yeah. And this guy was was had a god issue going on this was like this person was feeling sinful Mm -hmm. and felt like he was demon possessed and was threatened by an employee that was there who was according to him led by the holy spirit and emanated the holy spirit we're not dealing with mental health here in this situation and he used a handgun right that he that he bought legally that he bought legally no criminal record he used a handgun Mm -hmm. and he was a person of color Mm-hmm. So we're not going to talk about it because right. it doesn't fit the narrative, right? right? Right. So what Joe Biden's really saying is, let's get rid of the big, bad, scary guns that are owned by the white people who believe in the Second Amendment, who have never killed anybody, mm-hmm. right? Because it's those responsible dudes he's most threatened by, right? It's the law-abiding folks. The crazies, they're, they're, I mean, what was the guy who went in there and, and shot up the nightclub, right? Yeah. Who identified as non-binary, as a they-them. That didn't fit the narrative. And by the way, got overtaken by a married veteran right yeah (laughs) my agent who is gay everybody knows this william i gotta say i gotta clarify this william because i got two agents and the other one might not want to be called gay but (laughs) everybody knows william's gay he calls me up the next he goes i was in that god-awful nightclub in colorado springs a couple of weeks ago it was was, oh it's gross and i was like he goes oh (laughs) and when he said oh i knew everything he meant so tragic so tragic and it is tragic i'm not making light of that but what i am pointing out is the hypocrisy of not only your president 
But the media that wants to bury all of this stuff when it doesn't fit that narrative. And I'm tired of I'm just tired of that same conversation, man. We just, you know, we just had a conversation with Brian McClanahan. Brian McClanahan, he could walk you through historic from from the American Revolution to the Civil War and all these things. The fact that men own guns are the reason we're free. Yes. It's the great equalizer for women. Yep. I mean, my God, call my friend Jara Hutchins on the phone and get her to train you, Mm. take you to the range, give her a shout. Look her up on Instagram at clearing the chamber. You don't mess with a woman like that. You don't mess with her. She has shotgun shells on her boots. You don't mess with a woman like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the great equalizer. We live in a day and age where human trafficking is worse than ever. Pedophiles are on the loose. Home invasions. I, I, open borders. I kept seeing people calling for, we need to arm the, we need to arm the queer community. I'm like, yes, arm all of the arm communities. Arm all of the queer arm, community. You know, they think it's a gotcha when they're like, oh, they're, they're not going to like it when black people start owning guns. It's like, we want no, you to own the guns. We want you to own all the guns. Yes. Please protect yourselves. Protect yourselves. <laughs> anyway, hang tight. We'll be right back. Oh, to continue that conversation, uh, the hypocrisy of CNN. Here we go. When it don't fit the narrative, you just got to make the narrative up. Play clip number eight. I think that's um, that's a guy complete ludicrous. <laughs> um, I believe they're just saying that because they want to have um, the easy way out on this. Um, that's really, really um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself. <laughs> that a male which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man. That's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as a woman the next day. Um, it's really offensive wow. to even hear that, that they're playing that role. Um, and if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at? Yeah. Oh. Why would you do that to a community where you are welcomed in if you are non-binary? Excellent question. That is so transphobic. And see, this is why, yeah, excellent point. Uh, this, is, this is why I'm done with the bullshit. I, I'm done with this whole gender bullshit. Look, you want to dress up, you want to do whatever you want to do. You, you want to chop your balls off. Well, you leave the kids alone, but I'm, I'm done placating, I, I, which I never have. I've never played to your pronouns. I don't care of all this kind of stuff. But the fact that you can't live up to it, you can't live up to the own, your own standard that you established and you set. You're going to get on CNN, and then, but you're going to criticize me. They put people in jail in Britain for misgendering somebody. You, you're going to criticize me because I didn't call you by your right pronoun? I, kiss my ass, man. I'm done with it. Sarah, I'm done with it. If you I, look like a dude, you're a dude. Right. I mean, did you see that scene? Did you see the NBC interview? I retweeted the thing where the guy comes in. He got fired from Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's dress- yes. like, yes. like, bro, you don't even condition. Like that oily <laughs> head, and you go sit down like you'd be a woman, and they're trying to play it up like, oh, just a normal woman that we used to work at Twitter. Bro, bro you got balls, man. And I don't mean the bold, the boldness balls. You got literal testicles. <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm tired of playing your game, man. I am not going to, I am no, in no way, shape, or form going to pander this bullshit. No way. I'm done with it. It's also so telling that CNN even had this, like, who I, I it's a friend of one of the victims okay well why why are they being asked these questions like he's not qualified to answer that question if you want to bring him feeling. on and be like what was this person like what you know what are you you know do, do that but 
this dude has no business answering the question of like whether or not the shooter was actually <laughs> non-binary. Yeah. So yeah, like this ain't a this ain't a police police sketch artist. You're right. trying to describe the person. Like he couldn't be a woman tomorrow. Right. Couldn't dress like a woman tomorrow. He didn't shave. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like what are we doing here? And I got a feeling that everybody in that nightclub's good friends. Just saying. Just saying. Listen, it's a tragedy. I don't care who you are. Mass shootings, that is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Mental health is the issue. Mm-hmm. It, my guns haven't killed anybody. Mm. I've shot thousands upon thousands of rounds through my firearms. My guns have never killed anybody. They never even shot at anybody. Ever. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know why? Because I'm not... I'm not I mean, being led by demons. It's yeah, true. I mean, that was his own confession to do to Walmart. Right? I, yeah, I'm not, that was a weird one. The whole thing. I mean... There's always a mental issue, mm-hmm. always a freaking mental issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, the guy that goes in there and shoots up the gay nightclub, he just held it. He, he had a standoff with the police, had a bomb threat, held his mother hostage. He's out walking the street. There's so, so always there's two red things. flags. There's, there's mental health issues mm-hmm. and there's, there's justice issues. Mm-hmm. Why are you still on the street, man? Right. Which, you know, there's always these red flags that never actually, no one ever does anything about anyway. So what would be the point of creating more laws that they can use to weaponize against the law-abiding citizens who never have any intention of harming anyone? Yeah, I haven't broken the law, so you're going to penalize me? Right. You're going to take away my ability to protect me, protect my family, protect my home, protect my property? You're going to take that away? <laughs> that. Not a fan of it. <laughs> really? I'm not. I couldn't tell. And these idiots on Twitter get on there and say, oh, well, you know, it's not in the Constitution. You know, you can rat and oh, oh <laughs> you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Well, organized, you know, you know. Yeah, again, again, it goes back to the terminology <clears throat> of the, when they talk about the terminology of the guns and they talk about semi-automatic weapons as if they know what that means. It's the same thing with the Constitution. It's the same thing with the Second Amendment. They have no idea what any of it means. Well-regulated oh, wait, militia. But it says you're, well-regulated. You're like, not a well-regulated militia. I can the, be. But that's also not the context not in the which... It's not the context. Like, none of... Uh, I know. You, you know what? When the Revolutionary War was fought, they, they weren't really a well-regulated militia either. They were, again, shooting at each other from behind trees, but they figured it out. Right. Thanks to the French helping us out too, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we, got, we got some real divine providence in the Revolutionary War because, you know what? We weren't, we were fighting a superpower with bad guns <laughs> that we hunted deer with, right? But somehow we figured it out. And you know what? We can be well-regulated again if the need arises and it's called for. Right. That's the whole point. But you know what? Bef- so what are you going to do to get well-regulated? Let's say all of a sudden there's an uprising. Let's say China decides to, to, to advance upon us and, and they, they start a ground war starting in California. Well, we got, well, we got to wait on Washington, D.C. to issue our guns back so we can defend our homeland? True. Does that make sense to you? No, I'd rather know that, hey, my neighbors, you know what, guys, let's make a plan. Mm -hmm. We just became a well-regulated militia. Look at us. Y'all want T-shirts? We can wear matching. Yeah. Everybody got ammo? You got ammo? Oh, look, it sounds like we're being regulated right now. Hey, if you don't have ammo, come get some out of this box right here. You need a magazine? There's one. Bam. We're suddenly well-regulated. Hey, does anybody know this? Does anybody know like where we are right now? Does anybody? Oh yeah, I got a map right here. Holy shit, we're we're we're, we're pretty well regulated at this point. Interesting. <laughs>
See how facetious it gets real quick. Trust me, if I'm being shot at and I got some buddies that are helping defend me, we're in that foxhole together, we're going to get regulated real quick. You know? Hey, cover me. Well, that sounds very regulated to me. Are you a militia? Shit, yeah. (laughs) CNN has something for you, Chad. They're not done with you. Let's have it. Okay. This freedom of speech is just nonsense because you can't go into a movie theater and yell fire. It's against the law. And what Putin's going to do and the Russians is they're going to use this as a vehicle to to save himself in Ukraine. And, you know, whether it's going to work or not, I don't know. But we're going to see as soon as these restrictions come off, we're going to see the Russians all over it, as I just said. There you go. Yeah. Vladimir Putin's going to get a Twitter handle. Start tweeting. I just love that they're still using the 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 Putin thing like it it matters to anyone anymore. How long are they going to scream about Putin? Oh, forever. This is the most powerful man that's ever existed. (laughs) I mean, he really does take his shirt off and ride bears. I mean, this guy (laughs) controls the world. All Vladimir Putin. And uh, I love the people who come at me and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Russian economics. Trust me, they're a third world country. They spend all their money on nuclear missiles. (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) When you got your meat sitting out there, air temperature in unrefrigerated windows. Yeah, I I promise you. (laughs) They got pretty women, but (laughs) they don't shave above the knee. What is true? I've seen it. I've seen it. Got a great circus in Moscow. <sighs> I, I listen, I've been there. I've been in the villages. I've been out there. I've been out there. I guarantee you, Jelenozhnoy outside of Moscow has not changed in 30 years. I promise you. It hasn't changed. Send me pictures. Send me pictures. I guarantee you, the same garbage buildings are right there. Nothing's changed. That's right outside of Moscow. Take the train, 20 minutes, you'll see it. I've been there many, many times. Check it out. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Let me just say this, uh, Reverend Sharpton. It is uh, very well documented that words nowadays can actually uh, break your bones. Words have generated violence. We've seen that. Sheila Jack. <laughs> Sheila Jackson Lee, the distinguished lady from Texas. What? Let's go, Texas. Sarah. Oh, no. Sarah, if I call you a bitch, does that hurt you? Does that break your bones? Oh, oh break your bones. <laughs> My elbow's broken. She's a moron. Uh, It's just It's been well documented. Well documented. Very well documented. I want to read the footnotes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ottumwa, Iowa, Saturday night. Get your tickets at watchchad.com. That's where the fun stuff is. Oh, boy, howdy. Uh, And uh, go back and watch last week's overtime where I gave you a, a Puritan pilgrim sermon. A lot of you were like, man, that was over my head. That's right. That's how far we've slipped in our ability to think and hear uh that's what they were saying in those days yeah that makes sense to us today some heady stuff uh greenville south carolina on the 16th and 17th of december don't forget the birthday bash 
Spring Texas Dosey Do. Shop SarahG.com and go buy some stuff. American Beauty by Sarah.com. God, you're beautiful. You're a good looking woman. I don't care who knows it. I'm in love. I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Tomorrow is hump day and we'll see you there. Love you. God bless you. Bye. <laughs> 